Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, my name is Chris, with me as ever I've got Mark. Evening. Uh, no Emma this week, she's um, she's in Atlanta you say, didn't you? Somewhere in the US of A. Yeah, so don't feel too sorry for whoever she is. Uh, so instead we've got from beyondthelastman.com, we've got Craig. Hi Craig. Good evening guys. Alright, uh, a couple of bits of housekeeping, what team do you support? Well, you know, long, long ago now, but uh, obviously I'm, I'm Glaswegian by, by birth, but um, so I'm a Rangers fan, but, you know, been away from the place for a couple of decades now, so uh, it's kind of quite far away, really, and um, I can't say I miss it a huge amount, really, so um, so instead, um, my fascinations for kind of obscure clubs in Eastern Europe and uh, a bit of internationality in Italy, but uh, we'll, we'll not talk about that just now. <laughs> well, that's absolutely, you go down well here. And um, have you ever seen The Wire? Oh, goodness, yeah, absolutely. Three seasons worth, um, and I've got season four sitting on my iPad just to get round to. It's like a fine wine. I think, you know, you just have to you have to sip at it um, rather than gorge on it, really. So. Oh, good, good. Well, you'll fit in just well here, then. <laughs> Excellent. I've never seen The Wire. You never asked me if I've ever seen The Wire. I have done. You said you've never seen it. Oh, I don't remember you asking me, but, yeah, I've never seen it. Ages ago, when we had Moosa on, I slipped a few references in there, and you said you hadn't seen it. Uh, you should do. It's the best TV program not set in Springfield. The great, the, the great thing about um, people who haven't seen The Wire, I, I mean, I'm really envious of them because um, the thought that you could go back to the start and start again, you know, having not seen it and they've still got that uh, that joy to come, um, then absolutely, it's, yeah. it definitely makes you jealous. You should I've watch seen it. Bits, I've seen bits of it, but I can guarantee I've never seen a single second of Breaking Bad. That's probably just me in the western world right now i've never seen it oh, oh my right. goodness okay, this, this is sacrilegious this is now <laughs> i do like game of thrones though well that's you just yeah, like that's... nudie bits the yeah, nudie that's... bits <laughs> yeah well what else do you watch it for the nudie bits and the blood <laughs> <laughs> why else does anybody watch anything exactly exactly <laughs> right, we'll be talking this week about Everton versus QPR. Um, me and Mark had the stink eye at each other, I'm sure. Uh, probably me more than him. We'll be talking about the League Cup and Champions League, Europa League draws, other bits of Bob's, the World Cup, Club Cup, and this weekend's Premier League predictions. Um, Mark is losing his crown rather rapidly on that one. Oh, God. Did I have another bad week? You've had another bad week. You've got just the four. You've got the same number of predictions right as my seven-year-old daughter. Okay, well, I expect to be um, jocked off this programme very quickly in favour of her, then. Yeah, yeah. Well, analysis of um, Dora the Explorer and uh, Manchester United will be coming. Um, first of all, then, so we go back to Monday, chronologically, I suppose. Everton 3, Queen's Park Rangers 1. Um Barkley with a lucky deflection, and Morales with a lucky deflection. Naismith with what Mark said was should have been an own goal. Uh, 
Rob's QPR of a, a true sense of justice, and that Bobby Zamora scored morally the winner. Uh, well, it's that, that's quite a skewed view of actually of what happened. Yeah, um, I mean, to be fair, at three 0 I turned over and watched Homeland. Well, you know that was a good choice, but I mean, the game itself was. I think, I think um, Everton were flattered a little bit by the scoreline. Um, we didn't. We weren't battering QPR. We didn't make chance after chance. You know, Lukaku was as he has been on many occasions this season, completely anonymous. Well, the only chance I remember you having before you scored was Baines crossing for Lukaku and his feet didn't quite get there, did he? That one went across the six-yard box. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming around to the thought that he's a bit of a fraud and that maybe he could have made a better effort at that, but maybe I'm just being a bit harsh on him, I don't know. But yeah, Barkley's goal was a good and yes, it took a bit of a deflection. Obviously, Morales took a massive deflection and... Naismith uh, was a good. It was well set up, and um, again was a little bit, little bit lucky. But I mean, QPR, Everton, Everton were poor. They were still poor, very slow on the ball, very predictable, and QPR played them really well until the Barkley goal. Naismith versus Barton was a good film, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And and Naismith is a, it, he's a terrific player. Just got himself a new contract as well. Uh, you know, he's he's come round from being a. a you know the fans ridiculed him when he first came down from Rangers. Um, Moyes played him in the wrong position first of all, but you know he's been fantastic last season and this. Um, and he he kind of made Everton look. Even though I've just said they looked poor, they were better than they were the, the, the few weeks when he was missing with injury. Um, but QPR, just to come back to them, they were they were they were tough to break down, but they were poor on the ball, very very poor. We miss Charlie. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how good he is, but I, I, he can't. He, I don't know how much better he'd make them. He provides some kind of potency up front, doesn't he? I mean, Zamora can only do what he can do, can't he? Because mm. he, he can't play a full ninety minutes. But no. um, I think if we had Charlie Austin up front, he would have had a little bit more zip, I think, than than what we did do. Well, I I, I put out a tweet that <laughs> during the game that said. Um, QPR, QPR's best form of attack is Everton's defence. Yeah, and any any defence that has a thirty-seven-year-old Sylvan Distan in um, is uh, is always asking for a little bit of trouble. Yeah, Everton like an old club, an old team this year. Um, I think I'm sure I saw somewhere that you know, in terms of average age of their squad, is is, is certainly one of the highest, if not potentially the actual highest in, in the Premier League itself, and. And, and yeah, they, they, they're looking a little bit leggy already. Um, the Europa League games obviously haven't helped that, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think the I think it was thirty thirty. I think it was was the average they said. And when you consider that there's players like Barkley in the team and Lukaku who are twenty one years old, then you know you got Howard who must be knocking on thirty five. Distan just turned thirty seven. Jagielka's over thirty. Baines is thirty. You know the the. Last season, I said it a few times, especially to a couple of my best mates who were Everton fans, is that this time was was still looking super fast last year. Um, you know, on the on the recovery when if Jagielka got beat or the opposition tried to get down the size, but it's one of those things where as soon as his legs go, they, yeah. you know, there's no gradual decline. He's going to be very very um, vulnerable. Yeah. And it's happened. It's happened this season with Distan, and Barry Barry's legs are also definitely suffering, um, and he's made quite a few mistakes recently. So, it is something that's going to need a big overhaul 
I like uh, next summer for Everton. I like Bessage. He likes his little tackle, doesn't he? He does, and once he once he knows when to put it in, and when once he knows when to be a bit more a uh, bit more subtle about what he does, and he, he's not a bad little player. Him and McCarthy in the centre of Everton's midfield, with Barkley playing alongside him or Naismith, um, he, he could be one for the future definitely because he's still only about twenty two, I think. Yeah. Just to just to echo your comments about uh, about uh, Naismith as well. I mean, when, when he first came to the Premiership, I I didn't really think he would prosper at the highest level. To to be honest, I mean, I, I'd obviously seen bits of him at, at Rangers, um, and you know, credit to him, he's worked so hard at his game uh, and his movement now um, is, is, mm. is is incredible. You, you, you know, he's, he's obviously somebody who's studied the game. He's studied better players around him, and you mm. can see such an improvement over the last couple of couple of seasons. And you like that in players. You like players. Sure, you know, he's he's never going to be a world beater, but you like players who make the very best of the talents that they've got, and 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 they, they kind of give everything really. And that's all you can really look for in, in players. And and Naismith. Um, Somebody who you know has cared about his game and made the best of himself. Yeah. Um, so. Moving on to Tuesday nights was the League Cup, wasn't it? We had Sheffield United one Southampton nil. Uh, five successive defeats for Southampton. Uh, Chris Morgan sent off. Hard to imagine Chris Morgan getting sent off, but he managed to. Uh, he wasn't even on the pitch this time. He was celebrating the goal rather too close to the Southampton touchline and. Um, he got sent off from the touchline and the managers refused to shake hands afterwards. Two defeats. More. Yeah, more petty squabbles, was it? Or was it something actually more? Uh, I think he had one of those sort of celebrations a bit too much in the face of uh, Koeman. The, the old Pardew move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them. It's tricky. Yeah, as, as, as a neutral, I mean, I, I, I kind of look at the League Cup and... Um, it's a, a very much a love-hate relationship with it. It's, it's a bit like the Europa League, actually. There's certain good parts about it, and there's some really, really terrible bits about it. And um, you know, I think it still struggles to find something of an identity. Um, so it, it's nice. I mean, well, what should be nice is um, if some of the, the sort of mid-ranking clubs or the smaller clubs do well, because it's their best chance of getting to you know getting a Wembley day out and and winning a trophy these days. So to see obviously Southampton plummet out the other night and, and Newcastle as well uh, was disappointing and, and I suppose I should say that um, obviously Sheffield United and their fantastic cup record against bigger clubs in recent seasons I should be enthusiastic about the underdog but I think as a neutral it's you know and, and I, I, no disrespect to any Sheffield United fans listening I just think it's really really hard uh, to, 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 to think anything positive about Sheffield United you, you know I, I mean, I've never followed them that closely, but you know, since about the the, the late nineties, uh, sorry, the late eighties, early nineties, when they had players like Dean and Agana, and they were an in-your-face kind of club then. Um, and to my mind, whenever I've seen them since, that's that's what they've been ever ever since, really. So, scorers yeah, of the scorers of the first ever Premier League goal. Yeah, that's true. Actually, but it's just you know, I, I no, not very much sympathy for them at all. Um, I had to prefer to prefer Southampton to get through. Really, there's just something not especially likable about them. Really, no, I know. Yeah, but then again, you know, I, I, I something I saw a couple of months ago there that that was um, a, a stat that was I was quite aghast at. So I think there was a supporters poll that um, listed the kind of Sheffield United's best ever players in, in their history. And Tony Curry was first, which is fine. Um, and I, I, you know, he's way before my time. But I'd like to have seen him because I've never seen very many particularly skillful Sheffield United players. 
But when Phil Jagielka is the second <laughs> best player in, in your history, which I know the Sheffield United's history must be, what, 120 years, 130 years, and he's the second best player in your history, you think, my goodness, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's not so great, is it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, not it's, it's funny It's funny that you, the, the League Cup in particular, there always seems to be a Sheffield United that get to the semi-final, like a team from either the what mm. we call the Championship now or even League One seem to get there. I mean, you go back 30 years. I seem to remember roughly about 1983, 84, I think Liverpool played Walsall one year. Yeah. yeah. must have been in one of the lower divisions. And Burnley, who I think were also in one of the lower divisions at the time. No, didn't Walsall... Yeah, didn't Walsall get a draw at Anfield? I think they might have got like a 2-2 draw at Anfield, but then lost the return 1-0 at home or something. So. Something like that, yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago, but I think you do see a lot of that. It, it seems to me, I might be wrong, but I, I think you always do get one shock team that gets to the semi-finals of the League Cup, more so than mm-hmm. the FA Cup, for sure. Well, speaking of shock teams in the semi-final, Liverpool got through. <laughs> Your man Gosling. It was very good, actually, Dan Gosling. He scored and hit the post. Uh, it was very unfortunate not to get another goal as well. So, uh, Bournemouth lost 3-1 at home to Liverpool. And Liverpool, I would say, are back categorically, 100%. Nothing can go wrong now. Chris, I, I, saw, the fir- I, I saw the first half. I don't, know what, I don't know if you watched the whole game. Yeah. Uh, yes, they, they played well, but they were given an awful lot of space to play well by Bournemouth. It's particularly, the ice- particularly in the box, and they had two massive let-offs. Yeah. That had it been a Premier League strike force who didn't drop their ass in the same way that the Bournemouth strikers did, it it would have probably gone in at two two at half time, and then it might have been a different game in the second half. Yeah, I um, I they went three at the back, didn't they? And I thought the midfield was kind of rather was was very packed, and there, was, there didn't seem to be any width, even though um, they had five of them in there. But mm-hmm. I suppose they got the job done, didn't they? Brad Jones was at fault for the goal as well, which isn't boding mm-hmm. very well. Well, it's interesting that Rodgers went straight away um, before last weekend and said that Mignolet was dropped indefinitely. Now, you wouldn't, to me, that, 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 there's something behind that, isn't there? Whether there's been some sort of fallout. It's not just uh, we're taking a, th- a case of where he, that's, he's been taken out the firing line to, to take a bit of pressure off him because you would just say, I'm going to take him out for a few weeks, um, mm. freshen him up or whatever. What a, a similar thing to what Pellegrini did with Joe Hart last about this time last year. Well, to say you're dropped indefinitely, that's that sort of smells of yeah. something else to me. I'm kind of thinking it's, maybe they got a um, a replacement lined up. Possibly, <laughs> but you wouldn't destroy Mignolet like that. I don't think. No, it's tempting. It's tempting Providence a little bit, isn't it? I mean, to say you're taking him out the fire line, absolutely fine. But indefinitely, um, I mean, what happens if Brad Jones get in, gets injured? And, and to be honest, the way Brad Jones is dancing around trying to get his feet sorted, he's probably going to injure himself at the rate he's going. So, um, you know, mainly he's forced back in because there's no other options. Then um, suddenly uh, Brendan Rodgers is looking a, a little bit exposed himself there. And it, it seems odd because it's not usually his way. Um, he tends to, with the, with the exception of Balotelli, um, who he seems quite happy to throw under a bus because I don't think Balotelli was ever his signing. But um, the rest of his players, he, he's he's always very eager to defend them, you know, against the indefensible sometimes. Um, so the Minnelli situation, as you say, is is a slightly curious one. Yeah, Spurs beat Newcastle four uh, nil. Harry Kane scored again, and Soldado even scored. Uh, that's how easy Newcastle are to play against in London. Um, Derby beat Chelsea. Oh, sorry. 
chose to beat Derby 3-1. Did you see the great piece of refereeing in this game? Which one? The sending off. Oh, um, it was the mix-up with the, the central defender. Was it Rostrin, the, the central defender at the back, and the goalkeeper, and they all kind of uh, barreled into each other. That's right. We, it, it was everyone thought the keeper was going to get sent off for handball, but the defender got sent off for professional foul, which was looking at this replay was the right decision, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that myself, um, but but only after I saw the replay of it. So it was it was very good refereeing, absolutely. Mm. So semi-final draw is Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs versus Sheffield United. Uh, in the FA Cup, we've had some replays. Yeovil um, beat Accrington two 0 to set a home tie with. Does anybody know? Uh, Manchester United, yeah. Manchester United. They're all going mad for it down here in the southwest. This is like the biggest thing that's ever happened. Since what? Uh, since they since discovered they, the sun? Sp- Spanish Armada. <laughs> Something Didn't, like that. Didn't Exeter play Manchester United a few years ago in the FA Cup? They did. They got a nil-nil draw, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Biggest thing since that, then. I don't. I don't know my geography though, down that far though, so I don't know how close um, Exeter and Yeovil are. I'm guessing they're about. You know, like a horse rides away or something, but <laughs> they're or probably quite far. <laughs> what we call a metal horse ride away. Excellent. <laughs> uh, Champions League draw this week. We've got PSG Chelsea, Shakhtar, I wrote Shat, so presumably means Shakhtar, uh, versus Bayern Munich, Basel Porto, Schalke Madrid, Juve Dortmund, which is probably the one I'm looking forward to, uh, Man City Barca, Arsenal Monaco, and Leverkusen Atletico Madrid. Um, I say Juve Dortmund I'm looking forward to. I think that's probably because I want to see Juve do well. They were always the team I always sort of watched when Gazetta was on. So, um, Has anybody got any others in there they want to sort of pick out? Well, you know, I, I, it's a curious draw. Uh, I, I mean, I love I love the Champions League. I, I particularly love the knockout stages because that's when it's kind of getting back to its, its, its proper form as such. And, you know, the knockout stage. And, and in recent seasons, we've seen some wonderful, wonderful games and, and wonderful football. But I think I think the the problem we have with the format, and I think this is this is something that's just probably going to become um, you know more and more accentuated in in the years to come, is that I look at the draw and I look at um, you know Schalke against Real Madrid replicated the round of 16 draw uh, from last season, Paris Saint Germain against Chelsea replica of, of the uh, quarter final draw mm. th- from last season, Barcelona Manchester City exact same draw from the round of 16 last year, and and you know there there used to be when two big two clubs with big heritage and big history met in, in the European Cup, it used to be a, a proper event. And um, nowadays, it's you know when these clubs are, are getting to the stage where they're playing each other every year, um, I, you know they, they cease to become a, a special. And I think that was some of the beauty of the uh, Liverpool against Real Madrid games this, this this season, because although I mean they were kind of one-sided and. and you know, Real Madrid obviously way ahead of Liverpool at the moment. You know, what was kind of nice about them was this was, you know, two clubs with 15 European cuts between them. And um, they'd only ever played three times in Europe in all their lengthy history. So this is, you know, for the fourth and fifth encounters. And, and you know, I, I, reading the Spanish press and, and seeing how the Real Madrid fans, even though they knew that Liverpool were probably not any better than Basel or, or Ludogorets, you know, it was the game was a sellout very quickly because they were entertaining European royalty, and it was something they'd only ever done at the Bernabeu once before, really. I like the way. He's, I, he's, sorry. Now I was going to say I like the way you said that Real Madrid are better than Liverpool at the moment. <laughs> well, well, we absolutely. As if it's ever going to change. 
Yeah, but you know, you know, you see, you see these fixtures now, and um, I mean, Schalke for goodness me, I mean, I, I look at that fixture against Real Madrid, and having watched the both legs last year, I mean, to, to me, that fixtures, it's a little bit like the the, the teenagers who survived Jason Voorhees in the Friday the Thirteenth film, um, being invited back to uh, Lake Crystal the next season for for the vacation. Really, you know, that must be an absolutely horrible, horrible prospect for them. I don't know. I think this is. You want to see the big teams play each other, don't you? I mean, you want to see, um, you know, Barcelona with their history and heritage versus Moneybags Man City. You want to see the two rich clubs, PSG and Chelsea, the teams that can afford the best players, play each other. I know what you're saying in the fact that in the olden days, the, the old European Cup format, where it was always a knockout, when mm. two teams did play each other, that sense of randomness was there because it was all a look of the draw. But mm. nowadays, you've got... Um, it's such a high-profile competition, and you've got players of such high standing that it is good to see them when they play each other. It, you do get a little bit disappointed when you see Arsenal versus Monaco, don't you? Because that looks like such a gimme. But then again, in, in some ways, I mean, Arsenal fans might see see differently, but um, when was the last time Arsenal played Monaco? Uh, but as you think Arsenal against Barcelona, if that had been a draw, I mean, I don't think that was a possibility. Yes, they could have joined Barcelona. Um, but you know, you think how many times have Arsenal played Barcelona in recent years, and, and they must be sick of the sight of each other, really. So, mm. so although Monaco is a less glamorous, glamorous draw, at least it's somebody a bit different. You know, you're going to get to see different players, and okay, Monaco aren't anything special, but you know they've got a couple of good players, and and it, it's just a different, a different opponent, really. So, and I think I think that was my fear of the Champions League that. Um, in, in years to come, as as the financial side, particularly with financial fair play, you know, entrenches the the, the privileged privileged clubs, and uh, every single year we're probably going to get to the last four, the last eight, and you know, it's always going to be Real Madrid, it's always going to be Barcelona, it's always going to be Bayern Munich, and you know, the few Chelsea as well, and, and though, yeah, you might get the odd wild card as such, but it's not going to be like the old days where you had. CSK Sofia getting to a semi-final or, you know, Stoy Bucharest and Red Star Belgrade winning it, for example, which, which you know, I, I, I think it's a shame, even though the quality of the competition obviously is, is much better these days. We're only 10 years from Porto winning the Champions League, though, aren't we? Yeah, it was a funny season, that one, actually. It was a, it was a really, really curious season because, you know, I think Milan were the outstanding team that year. Um, and they lost and they- to Deportivo, didn't they? It was bizarre. I mean, that oddly, I really, really remember that game. Even that was, I remember the home game, and they won the home game four-one. Mm. But what, what I remember about that home leg was um, the referee and the linesman repeatedly calling Shevchenko offside um, when he was miles onside, um, and, and denying Milan should have been another four or five goals. You know, it was that one-sided, and mm. and that they went to um, went to Spain and lost the return four-nil was just was was just bizarre, really. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, I think that was fantastic that, that Porto Porto won. Um, I just, I mean, and I, I suppose it would have been something quite similar uh, of magnitude that Atletico Madrid managed to obviously win last season with resources, you know, obviously very meagre resources compared to the bigger clubs. But um, I think I think it's going to be a very rare privilege to see that sort of thing in the future. Yeah, Mark, what do you reckon? Anything on here that you're um, excited by? Not especially, and, and as Craig said, the a lot of the glamour for me, even though you've got all the glamour clubs and the money clubs and the top players in the Champions League draw, a lot of the glamour or the, the magic or the mystique of the, the Champions League or European Cup, as I often call it, um, has gone these days because you are getting so much of the Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, the same 
10 or 12 clubs. I mean, Porto, yeah, they won 10 years ago. Porto, I think, they get to the, the round of 16 every year and then yeah. drop out. I mean, how, how tedious and boring is that? But I, love I, sat, that. I, I watched I watched the draw, both draws, the, the Champions League and the Europa League. Obviously, I've got a vested interest in the Europa League draw because Everton are playing. Um, but I watched the Europa draw and was a lot more excited and um, almost like almost like an FA Cup third round draw kind of feeling about it because there were there were a lot more intriguing ties to come mm. out of that draw than I, f- I think there ever is anymore in the Champions League because PSG v Chelsea to me I, I, I'm I'm bored by that I'm not I'm it's not exciting in the same way that Everton had the ability could have drawn. You know, teams like well, maybe not. They could, they maybe not directly could have drawn, but you know, there were teams like Fiorentina, PSV, um, Ajax. Obviously, Liverpool dropped into it. Then you had some of these Eastern European teams that you might never have heard of, who were probably very good teams, but they're not overhyped and and overexposed in the same way that all of these Champions League teams were. And it was exciting, you know, like young boys versus Everton. Just picking again, picking on on my team. I'm, I, that's to me. That's like, oh, what, what are they like? You know, are they good? They could be really tricky. They've obviously got a decent side to get this far. Um, so the Champions League draws don't really excite me anymore. But a lot of that's that's not so much due to the teams. That's due to TV, isn't it? That's overexposure. I mean, yeah, and it's only going to get worse. As, as again, as Craig said, the financial fair play only solidifies that that what is it? The G20 they call themselves, or the G18? These top 20 richest clubs in Europe. It only hardens their position. And that's all we're going to get now until yeah. eventually, in my view, the um, the inevitable happens and there is a European Super League. Yeah, it's got you, to happen one day. You, you, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have seen Real Madrid on TV every week on Sky Sports 5. So you, you've, you've got that over-familiarity with them, which is probably why the Europa League, you're right, is far more exciting. Young boys you know about and you sort of think about... Thank you, pardon. <laughs> You know about, and you've got that sort of hush tone about them. And you think, well, you know, they they seem pretty good, and they're one of those European teams that you've heard of, and, and seem to be difficult to break mm-hmm. down. But you don't really know all their players. Same with Besiktas. You know, you know they're you're going to be a really really good team, but mm-hmm. I'm sure Colin Kazi and Richards don't play for them anymore. Uh, no, he plays for. Does he, he play for Sheffield United? He's in Germany, isn't he? Uh, Holland, isn't he? Oh yeah, he plays for Feyenoord. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. You've got the you've got the teams that. You know about their heritage, but you don't know what they're like at the moment in the Europa League, haven't you? Exactly. I mean, it's uh, Europa League's a, a kind of interesting one, and I think um, I, I agree with you guys. In, in when you say that the Europa League draw looks that that little bit more interesting, a little bit more diverse, and and I say on the, again, it's a tournament I struggle with really because I, I hated it when it started aping the Champions League with the group stage, um, which is <laughs> tortuous. You know, it's, it's really really tortuous. Uh, you know, the, 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 there's so many groups and there's so many games, and only now do, do you take any interest in it. But I think that, um, and it's, I, the other thing I hate as well is how they drop in the Champions League dropouts as well. I, I just, I, I just think that's conceptually, you know, such a such a flawed idea, really. Um, that the competition can't stand in its own two legs unless it's got some, you know, Champions League uh, teams dropped in to kind of buff its halo as such, really. But I think I think the one thing that has improved it this year is obviously that the winners get a Champions League place this season, um, and that's actually a proper a proper motivation um, because most of the teams that we see in the draw are ones like Everton that are going to struggle to to get it through 
kind of conventional football. Yeah. Yep. But the draw itself is is is, a, is an interesting one because I, I kind of as you touched upon, there's a lot of names there, um, and you know, finals you mentioned, and um, and also you've got Celtic against Inter, which is an emotive fixture. Um, Itself and, and there's four Italian clubs in the draw, which is rare because the Italian clubs really struggle. And, and but the Italian clubs are actually making an effort this year because it's their best way to get their coefficients up, really. So they've actually paid some attention to it. But um, you know, inter, you know, international, so internationally, are they? Bruce, you mentioned Gladbach. There's some great names, um, but they're not actually necessarily great clubs, great teams at the moment at all. Um, and you know, I see enough Italian football that uh, you know, there's four Italian teams in. in Competition. I think to myself, my goodness, um, you know, they're, they're certainly not going to raise raise the standard uh, very very high. So I think you're going to get all the quality football, obviously, in the Champions League. I'll bite the repetition of the fixtures, but you're going to get the kind of random element, I think, in in in, in the Europa League, which in, in its own way will be quite enjoyable, I suppose. I think get a bit annoyed that we. I think what's nice about the Europa League as well is out the 32 teams left. You know, there might there might be twenty of those who think they've got a realistic chance of winning. In the Champions League, there are two or three teams who have got a reasonable chance of winning. Yeah, and 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 only two or three teams had a reasonable chance from the start. Whereas the Europa League, again, out of however many teams there were in the group, thirty odd or forty odd, three quarters of those probably felt that they could get quite far in the competition. So mm. again, it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. For me, I mean, I don't have a, my team's never likely to be in the Champions League anytime soon. Um, but just taking, you know, from, from a neutral point of view, there's a lot more to be enthused about by the competitiveness of the Europa League than there is in the Champions League, I feel. I'm kind of hoping that um, Slavin Bilic uses this fixture to kind of, uh, as, a, as some kind of job interview. Yeah. For, right, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe when the, uh, the home sort of fixture comes round. At, uh, at Anfield, Brendan Rogers walks into his office and, and Billich is there, sort of sat in his chair, swivelling round. They don't have a stadium yet, Besiktas, do they? No, Liverpool are playing at the Ataturk Stadium. Ataturk, yeah. Do you remember what yeah. happened there, Mark? Uh, I remember watching that in a... I was in a hotel room in Israel at the time, and let me tell you, that was not a pleasant night. No, wow. Depends on your viewpoint, I suppose. Yeah. Were you not I happy to... for the city of Liverpool? Oh yeah, I was ecstatic. Obviously, <laughs> I was living in Liverpool at the time. Actually, oh, um, were you? Yeah, I, I was, and um, it was it was bizarre because you know obviously the needs of the, the win and the, the final whistle. Five or ten minutes, I started to hear all this noise outside, and I went outside, and the whole city just came out onto the streets and were waving flags. It was just this kind of spontaneous uprising of disbelief I think really and you, mean, you mean there was anybody left in Liverpool because if you listen, listen to the Liverpool fans um, yeah. everybody, every Liverpool fan tells you they were in Istanbul so I'm surprised there were anybody left in Liverpool on that night it's like the people who said that uh, the, the, the two million people who said they were at the first Sex Pistols concert at the Manchester exactly. Theatre wasn't it it was a fantastic experience being in a city like that and then um, obviously, it was maybe the next night they came back and there was a you know, bus parade and stuff like that through this through the city and they, yeah, I mean, I was, I was obviously a neutral kind of thing, but um, it was a great thing to experience being there. Really, I can imagine. Let's hear more about this, Mark, shall we? Right. Okay. What's the next subject, Chris? <laughs> uh, we move on to other things, I suppose. Then, so I can save my ears from being boxed. 
The 2014 World Club Cup is taking place in Morocco. Uh, Morocco, who didn't want the African nations, in case they get all get Ebola, so they've got this instead. The final is on the 20th. It is Real Madrid versus San Lorenzo of Argentina. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Real Madrid beat Cruz... Oh, you have to forgive me, I need this pronunciation. Uh, Cruz Azul of Mexico. Um, they played a strong team. Benzema, Bale, Isco and Ramos scored, so they must have played a pretty decent team. Full strength team they played, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they must have done okay. The third and fourth place playoff is uh, Cruz Azul versus Auckland. They're the part-time team, aren't they, from New Zealand? Yes, um, they are. They've, they've played at the tournament before, though. Um, never with, with a huge amount of success. But, they've been there about half a dozen times, haven't they? Uh, I think it's uh, it's five times. I think they've... Um, sorry, this is their fourth successive one. Um, they've, they've only ever won two games before, and they were both in 2009, apparently. So, uh, How did they qualify? The oh goodness, Oceanic Group. Um, I'm uh, trying to work out how that works because your other Oceanic Group was was the kind of interesting, more interesting story. Obviously, Western Sydney Wanderers, um, who uh, yeah, who are the Asian Club champions. But um, they they were only formed um, three or four years ago, um, and they've got, they've gone to be playing, you know, representing the the confederation at the World Club Cup. So it's it's an incredible rise from 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 nothing really. So they're they're reformed, aren't they? Um, I'm not exactly sure, actually, if, if they were, you know, from the shell of a, of a, of a club that went under and anything. But I, I was under the impression they were like a totally new club that were that were formed. But um, I might be wrong on that one. Yeah, because I, I thought they were around for a bit, and then when they went under, I think Sydney FC they became big rivals with Melbourne, didn't they? And then Western Sydney Wanderers are, are back again. Okay. I think that's uh, show, shows what I know, but. Um, Anybody make a case for San Lorenzo? Oh, I very much doubt, doubt it, actually. Um, yeah, they, they, they really, really struggled. I think they, they, they beat Auckland City uh, yesterday, last night, 2-1. But the, the winner came in the 93rd minute. And, and if had Auckland City won, it would not have been a travesty of a result in the slightest, really. So um, San Lorenzo don't look strong South American champions. Um and in terms of players that we might know, I, th- I think the only player that they have that people would kind of recognise would be Mario Yepes, you know, the um, uh, Colombian defender. Who's, he's about 100. Yeah, he's 38, but you're not far, <laughs> you're not far off. But uh, obviously he played with Milan um, for a few seasons there, to 2010 to 13. He played with um, Atalanta last year. And he, he went home, well, he went back to Argentina, obviously, um, just, just a couple of months ago in September there, really. So he's the, the star defender. Um, they've got a decent midfielder, Nesta Otigosa, who um, plays, uh, yeah, he was the Argentinian Player of the Year in 2011, I think, um, he, he, when he was playing with Argentinos Juniors. And so he won a title with them, and then he moved to, to San Lorenzo, and, and he, he won a title with them. And, you know, he's a gutsy, kind of hardworking kind of player. Um, so, you know, watch out for him. But, uh, no, goodness, Real Madrid should probably run all over the top of him. I was going to say, my knowledge of Argentinian football teams, I think, I, c- I could name you, obviously, River Plate, Boca, and then I think it's Rosario and Newell's. I couldn't, Independiente, maybe. I couldn't know anybody apart from that. Uh, well, you probably recognise all the racing club, Avaneda, and, um, you know, the well, big five are obviously uh, River Plate, Boca, um, San Lorenzo, Vélez, Sarsfield, and Independiente. Vélez, that's who um, Schiller played for, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, when they were 
South American champions. In fact, they were world club champions uh, 20 years ago. Um, and they, they, they defeated Milan in, in Japan, actually, which was a real shock um, in, in the World Club they should, Cup. They should go back to the old one-off. Well, maybe not even the one-off games they used to play between the South American and the European champions. But go right back to the days of the 60s when yeah. European teams didn't take it seriously and just did it as a bit of a, a sort of a friendly thing. And then the Argentinians or the Uruguayans used to kick the shit out of the European teams, especially when they got them back to South America. You'd love to live in football in the 60s, wouldn't you? <laughs> I've got the impression of you from the last... I bet it was brilliant. I mean, oh, you'd look, to, you'd look at English football in the 60s. There were seven or eight different teams won the league in the 60s. You'd love to live behind some iron curtain in Eastern European in the 1960s, watching grotty old stadiums and uh, army teams beating each other. Proper football, Chris. Proper football. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the World Club Cup. I mean, I, I think my own personal interest in it is is probably more driven by its history rather than its presence. And and as you say, back in the sixties, it was actually a very, very big, very popular tournament in its early years. It started in in nineteen sixty, um, and Real Madrid um, defeated. My goodness, was it Penarol? I think the very first year when Penarol were, were a very strong, strong team. And European teams took it very, very seriously. Um, and there was some, uh, but things started to turn. It was around about 63, I think, when uh, Pele Santos played Milan. Nero Rocco's Milan team. And, and they were great games, but they, they were, there was a violent, you know, violent undertones to them. And obviously that just, just tended to get worse. And it, it, it started really badly with Celtic against Racing Club. And they were notorious games, particularly in the away leg. Um, obviously, and then, and then there was a, a, because the tie was level, they had to play the playoff in Uruguay, and uh, you know Ronnie Simpson was hit by a brick, and that put him out of the game before it started. And so spectator violence was was a problem, and but also different interpretation of the rules as well, um, and that was a big problem um, because obviously next year Manchester United played Estudiantes de la Plata, and, and they were a vicious team. And, I've, I've written about them actually on my blog and about you know their their, their main player Ramon Aguirre Suarez who died last year, and he's probably the most monstrous player that's uh, that's ever ever played football that's ever kicked kicked a footballer kicked an opponent actually. Proper but, football, you mean? Proper football. Well, uh, yeah, I mean he, this 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 guy was brutal. This, if you've ever seen a picture of yeah. um, a Milan striker called Nestor Comban, who, who was a Franco-Argentinian striker. And um, the bloodied face, and this came about in the 1969 final uh, when Milan played the Estudiantes, and uh, Suarez hit him with a punch off the ball that Gianni Rivera said was um, as powerful as anything he'd ever seen from a heavyweight boxer. And um, yeah, just have a look look at that picture. And Comban was taken off and concussed, and then he was arrested as well, just to add insult to injury. <laughs> He was arrested by the Argentinian police for um, not having done his, his military service when he was in Argentina before he'd gone to France. And so I think that was the point the European clubs started to lose interest because it was kind of dangerous for them. Just really. salivating at this, aren't you? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm already drawing up plans for a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to other bits on Bob's. Uh, has anybody noticed Thierry Henry is retired? I think if you were in a television and a sky dish, you might well have done. Ah. Oh. Please, they've just gone so overboard, haven't they? I think like the Pope's died or something. Terrible. I mean, he, he was, he's been in semi-retirement for five years, so, you know, it's not a shock. No. Um, what else have we got? We've got Argentinian sports journalists have voted for their player of the year. Anybody know who this is? 
Yeah, the fine player of the year. I oh, know their own Argentine. No, they wrote the Argentinian player of the year. Who have they voted for it? Di Maria. Go on. What do you reckon, Craig? Um, yeah, yeah. If, if it's the foreign based one that you're talking about, um, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with Di Maria. Yeah. Oh, well done, both. You're right. Yeah. yeah. There we yeah. go. It wasn't yeah. a guess. I think I've seen it written down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should try harder next week. But he has. A, I mean, to be fair, he's had a great year. Yeah, he has. Hasn't he? And uh, Messi. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I didn't think he was that impressive at the World Cup, even though he won the Player of the Tournament award. He carried them seemed... for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, and it seemed that he's um, when he had that injury at Barcelona about this time last year, and he had a, what a couple of months out. Yeah. From what I've seen, and I don't watch a whole lot of Spanish football, he hasn't hasn't had that same zip and the same verve that he, he had before that. So you know that. If he was at the top of his form, would Ronaldo still? Would Ronaldo have been winning the World Player of the Year awards if if Messi was still at the level that he was, say, eighteen months to two years ago? Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think the other thing with Messi as well is, I mean, absolutely. I think I think he went to the World Cup not not hundred percent fit at all. Um, And you know, I think people forget that sometimes. It's the same when I, I had to laugh when when. People were were looking at Diego Costa in the World Cup and saying, "God, he's rubbish. He, he can't do anything." Mm-hmm. And thinking that Chelsea had, had bought an idiot, really. And 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 if you'd seen him play last season, um, you know, for for Atletico Madrid, you knew what a good signing he'd be um, for for the English for the English game because, oh my goodness, he's he's you know he's twelve stone of barbed wire is is Diego Costa. And actually, just so I came back to the Champions League draw. I think one of the uh, the, the, the few interesting things about the, the Paris Saint-Germain against Chelsea game will be him against David Luiz because um, <laughs> David Luiz is no stranger to the dark arts as well. So I think watching those two have, have a, a bit of a battle in the way I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Diego Costa having a battle last season with uh, Sergio Ramos and Pepe. Uh, they were great to watch. It was like WWF, but proper <laughs> proper wrestling, you know. Mm. Um. Borussia Dortmund and Germany winger, uh, Marco Royce. Has anybody seen this one as well? He's been a naughty boy, hasn't he? No. He's been fined more than half a million euros for repeatedly driving without a licence. Um, he's been stopped on by police several times for receiving speeding tickets on at least five occasions since 2011, um, before police realised he'd actually been driving all this time without a licence. It seems strange. It's the sort of thing that you'd expect of Mario Balotelli, um, Whereas Michael Royce comes across as a nice, sensible young man who, <laughs> yeah. who, wouldn't, who wouldn't do silly things like that, but um, it, it, it seems seems bizarre. But but similarly, um, to be fined half a million euros, or uh, the, the fine he's got for that is is astronomical. It's um, portion, isn't it really? <laughs> <laughs> um, we now move on to our Premier League predictions. Uh, we predict each and every forthcoming weekend's fixture um, for this week. We predict whether it will be a win, a loss or a draw and we get one point for each correct prediction. We've also got our thing this last few weeks where we predict an actual scoreline from somewhere within Europe. So, uh, Mark, you're currently on 58 correct predictions. Emma has 61. You're going to have to do hers this week, I'm afraid, uh, Craig. So feel free to corrupt and... Bring her down from within, uh, and I've got 50, I've got fifty-four correct predictions. So, um, first of all, we go for the European game. I was going to suggest we get the correct score for this. This is Borussia Dortmund, who, who are third bottom of the Bundesliga, versus Werder Bremen, who are bottom. 
Mm. Dortmund got well, a draw last I, night. I caught, a, I caught a little bit of the Borussia Dortmund against uh, Wolfsburg game last night, and while they're still very good going forward, Dortmund, they look absolutely hopeless at the back. Um, but Bremen are really struggling, so I'm going to go for a 3-2 win to Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon, Greg? Yeah, you, do you want an exact score for this one? Yeah, this one we do. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll go three-one Dortmund. Um, it's, Dortmund's it, I, it's, a, it's a curious one, really, because um, I mean I've, I've enjoyed Bruce Dortmund over the last few seasons, like everybody else has, but I'm, I'm enjoying them struggling this season just because it actually gives the Bundesliga something of interest about it. You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing interesting about Bayern Munich wandering off into the distance and. Uh, a kind of group of uh, mediocre blob of clubs like Wolfsburg and Leverkusen and Schalke in this kind of amorphous grouping, you know, 20, 25 points behind them, really. So to, to have a kind of unusual team in, in a relegation battle, I, I think is quite interesting. But then again, I remember wanting Everton to go down 20 years ago, not because I had anything against Everton, just because it would have been nice to see a big club go down for a change. So. You can come on well, again. It's been nice It's been nice speaking to you, Craig. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted Tottenham to go down that season as well because they they were down there that year as well, weren't they? So, uh, oh, you can come on again, you can. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll go three one Dortmund. You're going three one Dortmund. Imagine that, Craig, uh, Scotsman, Craig. A, a league where one team runs away with all the um, the points and leaves the others behind. Exactly. That's why. That's why I moved Talking away about from hearts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go. Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because you, you, you're still you're sort of there towards Dortmund because of how they've done, but they are terrible at the moment. But I'm, mm. I'm going to go 2-0 Dortmund. Uh, the early kickoff this weekend is Manchester City versus Crystal Palace. This is at the Etihad, so um, we're not looking for scores on these, Craig, just the result. Okay. Win, loss and a draw for whoever. So um, can anybody make a case for Crystal Palace? Mm. Not so much me. <laughs> maybe may, maybe they'll do the 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 expected Neil Warnock thing and they can possibly hold out till half time but um you fancy city don't you could could win this without aguero yeah. and not really the rest of them playing that well so yeah it's got to be man city we're all going man city are we yeah aston villa manchester united six on the row united have won there haven't they and without being impressive in the games I've seen them, no, exactly. It's it's, it's bewildering um, that the, the kind of it's um, you, you, you guys probably know the old term um, Bayern Dussel, which is the kind of the, the, the German saying of Bayern luck, and how Bayern you know always are, are a very lucky club. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's driven by jealousy, but it's it's become a kind of saying in German football kind of thing. So, um, so there's been a certain element of. Manchester United to do so um, in, in, in recent weeks and uh, yeah you know they're really really unconvincing um, but they're, they're quite they're quite poor in the road as well aren't they so I, I'm I'm probably going to go for a draw and if, if, if it was a score when I would if you were asking for a score I'd probably say nothing each draw you're going to go for a draw what do you reckon Mark? I think it's probably going to be a lot more of the same I don't know it's only because Aston Villa are so in, unconvincing yeah. that it's, it's making me choose Manchester United to win by one or two goals just because they've got someone like Van Persie or Rooney who could hit a free kick or can you know, um, get a snapshot on target from the edge of the box. That'll probably win it. That's all I can say about it. 
I'm going for United as well. Apparently, uh, Roy Keane heard a rumour that uh, Tom Cleverley was behind the leak into the press of the fact that um, Keane had a bust up with Doug Bonglehor and that is why he left Villa. So Roy Keane went round to Tom Cleverley's house, who lives nearby, and rang his doorbell for 15 whole minutes before he left. <laughs> <laughs> you love, you've got to love Roy Keane, haven't you? He is good fun, isn't he? It's also the most significant thing that Tom Cleverley's ever done in his career. <laughs> He'll be, he'll be off to Everton next season. Go Undoubtedly. <laughs> Hull Swansea. Hull Swansea. This is a tough one, isn't it? Mm. You know, Swansea, when Swansea hit form, you know, they're, they're lovely. You know, they, they, they look like they've got good balance. They, they move the ball well. Boney's fantastic up front. Sigurdsson's dropped in and playing behind him. You know, those two are really on the same wavelength as each other. But they just, you, and, and they're doing okay, but you just kind of get the feeling they should be doing that a little bit better. You know, I think their game against Tottenham last week was, was a perfect example of that, that, you know, they should have been out of sight and they end up end up losing it, really. So there's a kind of fragility about them, um, which uh, which is a shame, really. What do you reckon? I'm going to go a draw for that one. A draw as well. What do you reckon, Mark? Oh, God, you know what it is. I can't stand trying to having to predict what Hull are going to do because I just can't figure them out. No, no. Um, and I think Steve Bruce can't either. Uh, it's more a problem for him than you. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Emma's starting to pull away a bit in the predictions league, and Steve Bruce doesn't have to live with that week on week. No, that's true. Well, what happened? Um, ben Arthur has left, hasn't he? Yeah, um, Newcastle don't miss him, and Hull certainly probably won't miss him. I think that was a that was quite amusing when they all the Geordies were going crackers about you know him leaving and putting up banners of him with his face superimposed on um, what do you call him Che Guevara and all that was hilarious anyway I'm going to go for a draw as well I think you're going for a draw as well okay Um, I'm going to go for a Hull win their sense of injustice from diving Gary Cahill last week will drive them forward Uh, QPR West Brom Uh, I'm going to go QPR because Charlie Austin's back yeah yeah I'd probably agree with you on that one Probably the same because it's going. I haven't seen them the other night, and they're they're a poor in away record now. For the for the last couple of years, they've been or the last couple of seasons, they've been in the champ uh, the Premier League. I think that they're tar- obviously targeting home games with a lot more uh, vigor than they are their away games. Mm. And again, West Brom just don't know what to make of them at all. So I'm going to go with QPR. Okay, okay. Uh, Southampton Everton, the Mark Hughes derby. Mark Hughes, James Beattie. James Beattie, sorry, James Beattie Derby. I, I, I knew there was another one, but I couldn't think of him. There's probably loads. Um, well, Southampton have what? Have they lost five or six on the trot now? Five. Yeah. And Everton are helping people break ducks left, right and centre. I mean, um, we let Soldado score his first goal in about three years, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm going to go for a draw. You're going to go for a draw. What do you reckon, Craig? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's about time Southampton bends back. Actually, it's, it's, I mean, everybody was really enthusiastic about them, and understandably because it was nice to see, obviously, like a second-tier club right up there. But it was very much the same last season as well. I mean, I think in November last year they were in fourth place or third place at one point, and then it's almost like they went, oh, well, we're not going to get relegated, and they, they kind of settled in that, and then they they, they drifted away, and it was at eighth and ninth they finished, but. You know, they finished about nine points behind you know, the worst Manchester United team in however many decades kind of thing. And, and it was just all a bit 
lackadaisical really so um yeah so they, they just seem to have lost a bit of impetus really so um and and, and it'd be nice to see them you know remain competitive so i i i, I think this is the the day they're going to bounce back do you know what you convinced me <laughs> i'm gonna do the same thing um tottenham burnley soldado's back scoring mm. gotta say spurs although uh, uh, like so many teams in the premier league this year there's nothing there's very little impressive about them yet they've now gone and won quite a few games on the bounce or they've won four out of five or whatever it might be so well they're seventh aren't they i mean everyone's saying they've had a terrible season they're not they're not great but then you could say that about so many premier league teams this year you know man united are in third we just said it how how nondescript and how iffy they look and tottenham can go right into that group so i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna go spurs but only because they're in a bit of form and Burnley are one of the teams expected to to be down there at the end of the season, although they've done all right recently. I'm going to go Spurs as well. Harry Kane can't stop scoring, can he? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, 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 he's funny. He's um, an interesting player to watch, really, because you see him and he, he kind of looks ungainly. He, you know, he doesn't move, move very smoothly, very elegantly. But, you know, you, you watch him a bit closer and you think, you know, he's, he's actually quite effective. Um, he's both-footed, um, good in the air, his movement's okay, but, you know, he's not slow. So he's, he's a good all-rounder, um, interesting player, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think probably him more than anybody else is, is likely to be, make the difference in, in, in this game. But uh, I very much agree, Tottenham, I mean, Tottenham, like a lot of these clubs, like Liverpool, like West Brom, they, they look a club that... Um, where the, 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 the squad has been put together by lots of different people, lots of different managers, lots of different um, directors of football, but not necessarily the, 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 the manager that's there at the moment, really. Yes. Um, West Ham-Leicester, this is the last of the Saturday games. I can't see Leicester winning this at all. No. You, you just think that West Ham, I mean, they've done really, really well and they've just... You know, I mean, it's just it's the sheer randomness sometimes because um, you know the, uh, Allardyce bought um, Andy Carroll when he could have bought, bought Wilfred Boney, um, so you know that that's a black mark against him. Um, but then he's done well this season by signing Sacco, for example. Mm. But then again, his first choice he wanted Conor Wickham from Sunderland, who is a, a, another non-scoring forward like Andy Carroll kind of thing. So. You know, it, it takes me back to the days when Alex Ferguson wanted um, David Hurst. That was his first choice. He wanted David Hurst from Sheffield Wednesday. And when he couldn't get him, he ended up with Eric Cantona. You know, so I think there's a lot of luck involved in this sometimes. <laughs> well, of course, Roy Keane would have been a Blackburn Rovers player had they been open on a Saturday as well, haven't they? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so you're going to go for West Ham, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of a case for Leicester. I honestly can't. Um, West Ham are fourth, so... You know they're they're good at home this season, aren't they? I'm going to go with them. Again, says it all. West Ham, West Ham are fourth. You you can sum the Premier League up this season in just that sentence. <laughs> yes, exactly. So again, got to be West Ham. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sunday, Mark, have you got your tin hat ready for um, Sunday's first match, Newcastle Sunderland? It's just far enough away for me not to get between some mad Geordie and a police horse. So, <laughs> so where do you watch these games then? You live closer to Sunderland, don't you? No, no, no. I live north of Newcastle and Sunderland is to the southeast of Newcastle. Oh. I live northeast of Newcastle. Northeast of Newcastle. That's the sea, isn't it? Hey, That's the sea, isn't it? Northeast of Newcastle. Well, you know, if, on a good day, I can probably just about see the North Sea. You're a Lindisfarne. Is that where you are? 
<laughs> I used to go to a school called Lindisfarne. Oh, did you? I don't live on the island, though. No, I, yeah, okay. I'm just trying to think, what is North East? Um, so, this is obviously a big thing for you up there, isn't it? Um, it will be for the fans of Newcastle and Sunderland. For me, I'm not bothered. No, all right. I'm just trying a bit of <laughs> building it up, that was all. No, it, it matters a lot more to them yeah. than it does anybody else in the country. All right, well, fair enough. Then. What do you reckon it's going to do? So, Newcastle are 8th, Sunderland are 15th. I am going to go for Sunderland. Why I just think, well, Newcastle are such a schizophrenic team. They were dreadful the other night. They were mm. pretty dreadful at Arsenal. They've got a few injuries. They've got the young goalie in. Um, no, they haven't. No, they've got Annex. Annex going to be fit, but he's still only twenty-one, playing his third game or whatever it is. Oh, they weren't sure whether they thought he might be. Yeah, he's going. He's going to be fit apparently, according to the the Look North news tonight. Um, so, but uh, Sunderland have done quite well against them in the last few games. I think they played them. So I'm just. I don't know. I think that I think they might turn them over. I think you might be right. Actually, I think this is the sort of game that Poirier thrives on. Pardew's had an easy ride for six weeks. That can't go on for much longer. No. <laughs> what do you reckon, Craig? Well, you know, I'm, 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 I mean, I think Sunderland have been masters of the low-scoring draw this season. Um, so there's a certain, I think Poirier seems to want to make them hard to beat before anything else, really. Um, so there's a, there's a real lack of lack of firepower up front, and, and obviously Altidore is. Um, epitomises that better than, than, than anybody ever possibly could kind of thing, really. So, so I, I, yeah, I, I, although Newcastle are, as you say, very fragile, um, and yeah, I'm going to go for a draw and probably a, a, a low-scoring or no-scoring draw for that one. Next one, draw. Okay, all right. Oh, God, right. Liverpool. Um, Liverpool, Arsenal, four o'clock. Oh, God, Arsenal. Ah, come on, there's nothing to fear from Arsenal. <laughs> There is nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah, um, again, they've got Alexis Sanchez, who, yeah, yeah. on his day is a good player. But you look around the rest of that team and they have a lot of off days, as just as many as they have good days as a side, and and still they are not right at the back. Are they? That Callum Chambers, if he plays, he he's guaranteed the yellow card and he's been at fault for plenty of goals that Arsenal have let in. Metazaka is slow. Um, Koscielny is often out of position so I think I, I don't think Arsenal are all that and I think okay they only beat Bournemouth the other night but it would have put a bit of confidence back in them um, so I, 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 do you know what I'm going to go for Liverpool win I think this is just the type of game to get Liverpool up again alright okay uh... the Champions League, yeah, Champions League's over they've got the Christmas thing coming up they know they've been crap up to this point uh, I think this might be not necessarily the start of the season, and and they're going to go on a run like they did last year. But I think they might pull it, pull their socks up a little bit from now on. You've almost convinced me, but not. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Craig? I think I'm probably going to go Arsenal. Really, I mean, I, I I saw enough of Liverpool the other night to to be decidedly uh, unconvinced by them. Actually, as we were talking about earlier, I think Bournemouth could quite easily have uh, taken that game to extra time. And, you know, Liverpool, they're aside, they're just bereft of any shape, of any purpose, of any confidence at the moment. Um, and, and yeah, Arsenal's defence is, is weak and fragile. But you think to yourself, well, I mean, the only player I can think of in that Liverpool team that, that looks like he's got any goals in him is, is Sterling. And again, Sterling's 
a, a, a good player, but he's not an out-and-out finisher. You know, he's not the, the most devastating of finishers, really. So, so I, I, th- I think Liverpool. Right, so I think the Arsenal defence can can keep Liverpool out. And as I say, Sanchez at the other end. You, you, you know, he's. Um, I think his form's dipped a little bit. You know, I think he's 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 tiring a little bit now, understandably, because he's played a lot of football. But um, you know, I, I think he could probably be the be the difference for Arsenal. And actually, you think of. Had um, Brendan Rodgers been able to sign him as, as he tried to, you think what a difference that might have made to Liverpool season? I do think about that quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> I just I just worry about Arsenal's temperament in these big games. Yeah, they, they have, you know they often they often seem to not be able to handle the Man United games, the Liverpool games, as well as a team that is always up there challenging like they do. They don't they they often. They seem to go in their shell a little bit. That's that's my reasoning anyway behind why I think mm. they might do the same thing again this weekend. Okay. Mm. Um, last one of the weekend, Stoke versus Chelsea. Anybody going to go for a, a sneaky draw or Stoke win? This is going to be interesting. If Diego Costa plays and he plays against Shawcross, right, Cross, yeah. it be a <laughs> carnage, couldn't it? I am looking forward to this, actually. Yeah. I think it'll be a hard-fought win for Chelsea. Like, you know, like 1-0, 2-1. I don't think they're going to have it easy. But I'll go for Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to go for Chelsea as well. What do you reckon then, Craig? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I, I think it's those kind of games that um, Diego Costa gets particularly up for. The, the ones where he is getting a hard time. You know, he's, he's like Suarez where, you know, I think he rises to that sort of thing. And he's one of these players who actually thrives in conflict uh, rather than shrivels, really. So, um so yeah, I mean he he'll be probably taking some punishment, but he'll be giving it out as as um, as much as he as he gets it. And um, I I love watching him. I you know, he's he's a Diego Simeone kind of player. You know, he plays with uh, he plays with a knife between his teeth. So uh, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll go for Chelsea too. He plays with a knife between his teeth. That's probably the best description I've seen of him. Well, that, that, I mean, I'm borrowing that because that's what they always used to say about Diego Simeone as a player. And oh, did you can see that you can see the the parallels between the two definitely. Excellent. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of our uh, predictions for this week, and also to the end of our podcast. Unless anybody's got anything else they want to raise or mention or talk about. No, no, not for me. Thanks. Excellent. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on. You enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, excellent. We'd love to have you on again. So, thank you ever so much. Um. Don't forget you can hear Ross and the guys on Sunday. That'll be available for download uh, on Monday, hopefully. So they'll be re- reviewing all the games that we have previewed. Uh, you can follow us at Man at the Post, or at Man on the Post and Twitter. Uh, you can go to manonthepost.com as well, and you can download via there. Mark, if they want to follow you, how do they follow you? Um, on Twitter, I am at the football pink. And you're thefootballpink.net, aren't you, your website? Uh, no, fo- just footballpink.net. Sorry, footballping.net. And Craig, if they want to follow you on Twitter, you are what? I'm at, at BeyondTLM, short, short for The Last Man. Uh, oh. so BeyondTLM, and the website address is beyondthelastman.com. And actually, I recommend both of those. I quite like the pictures of um, the buildings you tweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, some, some good old pictures out there, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, and don't forget, if you really like us, you can review us on iTunes, any five-star reviews will be very gratefully received and you will receive a Man of the Post fridge magnet. So, uh, thank you ever so much, guys, for coming on. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thanks, Dan. No worries. And always remember to keep your Man of the Post. <laughs>